0: On Sunday mornings at Northside, we are talking about grace, and we are talking specifically right now about um, how to practice grace, how to show that toward one another, and each month we've been having a challenge where we uh, are encouraged and admonished to show grace to others, to let it pour out of our lives in different manifestations, so... Uh, Today, being September 30th, is the last day for our September uh, challenge, which is our digital detox. And we have been encouraging the congregation to disconnect so that they might reconnect. Disconnecting from social media has really been the challenge in in order to encourage you to be more sociable. Now, I realize uh, there's only like, uh, what, uh, 13 hours left in this challenge? and I realize there are many of you who haven't partaken of this challenge yet because you thought you just couldn't do it. You are so needed on the internet that, that to, that to remove yourself from that would absolutely crush your followers. So, let me challenge you for this. Take 13 hours and remove yourself from social media. Go ahead and delete the app and, And just practice being present with God and present with each other so that you might give them the gift of presence. And since October starts tomorrow, I'll go ahead and let you know what October's Grace Challenge is. It is simply to open up your home. October, open your home. Uh, We want you to practice hospitality. Have people over Uh, This could be new members, this could be widows and widowers, this could be our elders, this could be your class leaders, it could be your small group leaders. Uh, It doesn't matter to me who you have over, but as you've had the opportunity to sort of take the month and pull away from distraction, my hope is that your mind has gravitated toward other people, maybe to pray for them, maybe to send them a, a text, maybe to call them, but as you... Have done that, and now we can practice what early Christians did on the regular basis. They didn't have church buildings to meet in. Uh, they met from house to house. So hospitality was a necessity. And now, in, in our current church culture, it's, uh, you know, it happens, but it's not as obligatory as it was in the first century. So I want to call you back to that and think about who you might invite over to you. If you ever have a hard time, you think, well, I don't, I don't know who to invite. Contact the church office, contact me. I've got several lists that will give you a good start. And uh, Mark or I, either one, could help you with that and be glad to give you some ideas. Uh, perhaps invite those over who could not repay you. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 14? He said, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame. Uh, Those who are unable to pay you back in any sort of way. That's a harder one. But it's a challenge for October, and I hope that you'll put practicing hospitality, uh, practical hospitality into practice in your home. And uh, I know I realize everybody's already got these excuses. Oh, my house isn't big enough and I don't decorate nicely. And I have a terrible dinner party. Okay, just keep it dirty and and. And make no excuses for the children running crazy. Presence always beats perfection. If you wait until your house is perfect and never have anybody over, you've missed the opportunity. So I hope you'll start even today making a list of who you might... Sunday mornings we're in a series currently called Overflow. We're looking at uh how to what a life immersed in grace looks like. If you're opening your Bibles, if you follow along in the scriptures, turn to Second Peter chapter one, verses five through eight. Peter writing his last letter that that we know of to a church that he dearly loved. And the, the author, Peter, the man who writes this letter, is very different than the young man we're introduced to at the beginning of Matthew, Mark. Luke and John. This, this Peter has been changed by Jesus. He has been transformed by Jesus. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm just going to read uh, uh, starting verse 1 to give you a little bit of context. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the, this will be important today, you want to pay attention to this, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. In increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind. He has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more sure to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never Fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter describes what a life looks like that is surrounded in grace. How it changes, how, how it grows, how it matures and isn't the same as it was when we began. And so Peter begins to make a list. And the, the, he starts by saying the foundation of, the, of this whole thing is faith. You've got you to gotta start with trusting God. As you trust the Lord, then you add to faith goodness. And we, we talked about goodness in two parts. Goodness being understanding God's good and so letting goodness overflow out of our lives. But then understanding that we have a call to be good in a way of being excellent to applying excellence in whatever we do and whatever roles we fulfill. So the next quality that Peter adds to the list is this, knowledge. The Greek word there is the the word gnosis. And it simply means uh, not, uh, I'm sorry, it simply means understanding, insight, and wisdom. Understanding, insight, and wisdom is what Peter's talking about. Think about how Peter grew himself. He grew and he grew in his understanding of just how much he didn't understand he grew in his knowledge of Jesus he grew closer to him and at the close closer he grew not just in the word but to the living word he grew wiser with each and every step of the way now we should say that this is not this is not intelligence there are some very intelligent people who are highly foolish. Okay? Don't need to see any elbows being thrown. There are some, this is not referring to education. There are some very, some people with minimal education. Six, I've known some people with just a sixth grade education, some of the wisest people I've ever known in my life. Okay? So we understand that there is there's a difference here in what Peter's talking about between just intelligence, or education. Not that either of those things are bad. That's just not what we're talking about this morning. Wisdom is truth that is understood and applied. Wisdom is truth that is understood and applied. Let me give you a picture of what wisdom looks like. We know wisdom when we see it. Someone once said, well, how do you lead a successful life? Someone who was very successful thought about it for just a moment. And he said, by making wise choices. And the student asked, well, how do you learn to make wise choices? And the wise man thought about it and said, by making foolish choices. To some degree, how you and I grow in wisdom comes from the University of Hard Knocks. The life education that we get when we believe one thing to be true and we try to put that into practice in life and life teaches us a different lesson. The dog here is being wise. I'm sure he learned that from a foolish choice. Some of you all have learned to be wise from foolish choices. So let's think about how we grow in wisdom if we can do it any other way than other than by making Foolish choices. I think we can't. First, we need to understand that seeking wisdom is smart. Seeking wisdom is absolutely a sign that you're on the right path. Again, this is not seeking knowledge. Okay, we live in, in the information overflow age. You think about, sometimes I think about this, in a sermon, I can say something. And in a moment, you can say, well, I don't think that's true. And you pull out your phone, kind of look here, hide it, look it up, and you Google it real quick. And you go, ha, ha, preacher's wrong. How do I know that? Because I got access to knowledge instantaneously, milliseconds away. I can find out anything at any time from anywhere. I ask you this question. Are human beings wiser because of that technology. No, we have, we have a lot of access to information, but wisdom is not something that can be rushed. Wisdom is much more rare. Do you know why? Because wisdom is costly. Let me conduct a poll here, okay? If I could arrange it using the power and influence that I have, for you to be able to sit down with Warren Buffett for two hours, just you and him. So you could solicit from mister Buffett any investing advice that you would like to have. Any insider things he might any secrets he may any pieces of wisdom that he might have, how many of you would sign up to do that? Okay, one smart person in here, two or three. Oh man, we may have some training to do. Okay. I think you would be foolish to not want to sit down with Mr. Buffett to get some investing advice. He is a wildly successful investor. Okay, you just flustered me again. All right. So then the question for the three of you who would like sound investing advice from Mr. Buffett is, what would you pay for that opportunity? Would you be foolish to pay $1,000 for that opportunity? Would you be foolish to pay $10,000? Would you be foolish to pay $100,000 for two hours with Mr. Buffett? See, each of you would have to decide. If you could be guaranteed that Mr. Buffett would give you his wisdom, how much you would be willing to pay for that wisdom? Now, presenting this hypothetical which flopped in a major way, turn to Proverbs chapter 4. The wise man here is writing in many ways to his son. And as parents, I think we can understand this, that we desire that our children do not make the same mistakes we did. So if I can speak to you all for just a minute. Sometimes your parents make weird, crazy rules, and you're like, where did that... None of my friends have to do that. Nobody else has that rule. I am the sole outcast in the world because of my crazy parents. Can I give you an insider tip here, just from me to you? Many of the rules that your parents make have everything to do with mistakes that they made. And what they want is what the writer of Proverbs wants. He wants your parents, your mom and your dad, those that love you, they want more than anything for you to skip past the learning curve that they suffered through. And they're hoping and praying that you don't make the same mistakes they did. And so sometimes when they do something or they make a rule or they or make a call that you don't understand, certainly don't agree with, perhaps open the book of Proverbs and listen to your parents who want to give you wisdom that you don't have to experience the hard way. Okay? Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I gave you sound learning. Do not, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was in my, a boy in my father's house, still tender and only child of my mother, he taught me and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. What does he say? Verse 3. I'm sorry. Verse 5. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs you all you have, get understanding, esteem her and she will exalt you, embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. The father wants his son more than anything to be wise, to get understanding and to know For the child to know that their parent wants more than anything for you to be successful. And so the reason they're on your back is because they're one of the few people in the world that actually have your back. They're one of the few people in the world that care. And what they want you to do is to gain wisdom. Now magnify that times seven and a half billion and you begin to understand what God goes through with each of us. He wants us to seek understanding, to get wisdom. When we apply wisdom, we lower the learning curve. Christie's grandfather uh, has a brilliant mind. He's he's passed away. He's gone on to his reward. But he was a brilliant, creative man, an engineer, a builder. could, Could build most anything mechanical out of metal or wood. There was a time in his life when Ralph Smith would build guitars. In fact, he has a patent for uh, the uh, device used to build an 18-string guitar. And that's, a, that's an impressive feat. Well, Ralph didn't grow up in a musical family. He didn't learn that from his parents. How how did he go about the journey of learning how to build guitars and specifically to learn to build one so rare and unique that most musicians, even highly skilled musicians, have to learn how to play? When he went and learned to build guitars, he talked to people who were skilled at building guitars, and he sought from them their wisdom. In like fact, I was looking through something that he had wrote, he, an article that had been written about Ralph. And he said, I went to these men and they shared their knowledge with me. What, so what, see, what Ralph was doing was trying to lower his learning curve in learning how to build guitars. When you're seeking wisdom... A good thing to do is to go to people who've been successful in what you've already done. Parents, you want to learn how to be great parents as we're learning about in Faith by Face. Talk to people who are in the parenting phase or maybe even better yet who have been through the parenting phase and who might have some wisdom to give you. When you're seeking wisdom, that's smart. You're on the right track. But then where do we seek wisdom? Is it only from other people? Well I think first we got to understand God is the source of all wisdom. If you're still in Proverbs, just look back 2 chapters. To Proverbs chapter 2. For the Lord, this is verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We understand that God is all truth, and so the closer we get to the Lord, the, the more we will increase in wisdom if we're yielding to Him and listening to Him, and most importantly, obeying Him. You ever have a friend who asks you for advice, and you you think about it, and you give them the best advice you know how, and they promptly go off and ignore that advice. They do the exact opposite thing. And you think to yourself, why in the world did you come to me asking for advice only then to do exactly the opposite of what I encourage you to do? They were seeking wisdom, but they weren't applying wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding, you see, but it's up to us to apply it. Reading this book and then not applying it, is the same as not reading the book at all. We have to seek wisdom and understanding so that we might apply it. The best known example of this that I can think of is First Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3 is about the wise man before he was wise. The scriptures, starting in verse 5 of 1 Kings chapter 3, say this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And he said, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Okay. Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son. That was Solomon to sit on this throne this very day. Verse seven. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my father's duties. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count our numbers. So give your servant a discerning heart so that your people uh, to discerning heart to govern your people for who is able to govern this great people of yours look how god responds verse 10 the lord was pleased that solomon had asked for this so god said to him since you have asked for this and have not asked for long life or wealth for yourself and have not asked for the death of your enemies but for discernment in administering justice i will do what you have asked I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. It's a great hypothetical question. What would you do if you were granted just one wish? And of course everybody answers, I would ask for many more wishes. But Solomon did what was wise and he asked for the thing that only God could provide him. You see, Solomon was a young man and he had lived in the king's shadow. And he didn't know how to do Anything was surely out being compared to his father, King David. And so he went to the one who could give him wisdom like no other, his eternal father, the one to whom his own father looked to. My question for you is this. Have you ever started by doing what Solomon did? You ever started by asking God for wisdom by just saying, God, I don't. No, I have no idea what I'm doing. Think about the parenting thing that we've been on this morning. As parents, have you ever just said to God in sincere prayer, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I am a child raising a child. And I need you. To pour into me. That which I should train this child for. Help, Father. Give me wisdom. That's the first step in finding wisdom is to seek it from God. By the way, we think maybe this is just an Old Testament story that just applies to us. The promise is not just for wisdom. It never stops there by saying, well, and that was just for Solomon. Turn over to James chapter 1 verse 5. The promise is for us as well. The brother of Jesus says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. H- how do we seek wisdom from God? Well, the first is doing what I'm doing this morning. Okay, Not preaching, but opening God's word. Okay? You hopefully know this by now, but this should not be the only way in which you get God's word. I mean, think about it. If the only amount of God's word that you get, the only amount of God's wisdom you get is for about 35 minutes, there's 165 and a half other hours of the week, and you only got my interpretation of a few verses from God's word. God needs you here and he needs you applying this to this so that he can give you wisdom. I mean, there's a lot of people that just, God, give me wisdom, God, give me wisdom, God, give me wisdom. And the whole week they leave their Bible closed. That's just unwise. Second Timothy, chapter three, verses 14 and 15, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, as for you. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation and faith in Christ Jesus. God's word, if we'll pay attention to it, will give us the wisdom we need Without having to have the experience of foolish decisions. Here's my challenge for you on this. We've been in Proverbs several times. I'm not sure if you know this or not. Uh, You don't need to know it. In fact, do your best to not remember this. But Proverbs has 31 chapters. You don't need to know that. Don't remember it. But if you will simply Take one chapter of Proverbs every day, and do that through the month. You will grow wiser. There's so much wisdom there that you'll be. Un- it is like drinking from a fire hose. But but practice just taking one a day. God's wisdom vitamin, and and may we grow wiser by seeking His Word and applying what's in the Word. Now, of course, wisdom is found from God. We know wisdom is found in God's word, but wisdom is also found amongst amongst God's people. Turn to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. This is an oft-used proverb. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. That sounds good, but how do we know who the wise people are? I mean, just take just a minute. Stop looking at me. Just take just a minute and look around this room. Go ahead. Look around. Look around. You're looking at me. You're doing the wrong thing. Look around. What num- What percentage would you guess of these people are wise people? You know, you know guess some numbers here? I don't know. Here's some clues of how you can recognize the wise. Okay? Some good clues from Proverbs on how to recognize the wise. Turn to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20 says this. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Wise people are people who listen. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of meeting with our elders. Um, But when you go in to meet with the elders, it's not often where all of them are talking all at once. Do you know why that is? Because elders, to be wise, have learned that it's much wiser to keep your mouth closed and to keep your ears open. Elders do best when they listen. That's not just an edict for elders. That's for all of us. Wise people listen. If you're hanging around somebody who's always chomping their lips, who's always just looking to what's the scuttlebutt, what's the news, what's the latest, what's this or that, you are speaking to an unwise person. Look for someone who tends to listen. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says this: The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. The, the second thing is, wise people they are humble. They don't just listen to their own advice and and use themselves as the best source. If you get one of these people that say, well, humility really is one of my best qualities, that's a clue they may not be a wise person. Number three, turn to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15. Proverbs 18, verse 15 says, An intelligent heart acquires knowledge. And the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. I think I said verse 5 and I meant verse 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge and the ears of the wise seek it out. The third point is that wise people are always growing. They're they're never content with where they are. You find people that just want to sit back and take life easy and don't think they need to learn anything. Don't think they need to acquire any new skill. Have no curiosity about the world. Have no desire to grow in God's word. They go, well, I've I've heard a thousand sermons and I've heard two thousand classes. I don't need to do. No, listen, that's not a wise person because wise people are always growing. Proverbs chapter nine, verse nine says. If you instruct a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. I can still remember, although it's been many years since Lewis Tandy has passed. But one of my most treasured memories of Lewis is on Wednesday nights between the time that the meal ended and the service Wednesday night service began and nine times out of ten. Lewis was in the library, reading a book. Lewis was one of the wisest men I ever knew. And he was still seeking to grow in wisdom. Seeking to add to his knowledge. Seeking wisdom from God and from others. That's wise. You seek people who are listeners. You seek people who are humble. You seek people who are always growing and always seeking to grow. If you want to grow wiser then you hang around those kind of people. So let me finish by giving you four ways in which you can grow wiser, and then we'll wrap up. Number one, you should ask God for wisdom. Don't just ask God for wisdom, but listen to it and obey it. That's the important part. Number two, find two wise people. I just picked the arbitrary number of two because it was a second point there. But find two, at least two people who are farther along in their journey and who are more mature than you. Now, I realize that you, whoever I'm speaking to, is already at the zenith of maturity and wisdom. But if you think hard, you can find people who are older than you, who are spiritually more mature than you. You should seek to have breakfast, go to coffee with, have lunch with people who are wiser than you. Surround yourself with wise people. Number three, read God's word. That's so important and there's, it's so easy to do, but m- m- may we not miss the point here. Do not go through the pages of Scripture and go in your Bible reading plan and read through it methodically, daily. Check it off the list and miss the point of the Scriptures. In Jesus' day, the religious leaders, they knew the Word. They knew the Scriptures. And Jesus said in in John chapter 5, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Don't come to the scriptures and miss out on Jesus. Which leads us to our fourth point. Wise people, I mean it wasn't just at the beginning that wise men sought Jesus. Wise people still seek Jesus. The the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the son of the only father, full of grace and truth. We want to grow wiser. May we ask God for wisdom. May we surround ourselves with wise people. May we read God's word and may we, with everything we have, not just read God's word to read it, but seek Jesus in every page of it. This morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ, let me tell you that eternal wisdom begins and ends in Jesus Christ. The closer we are to him, just like with Peter, the wiser we will become. If you do not know him, he wants to know you. He's ready to know you this morning. And if you've grown distant from him because of foolish things you've done, you can return to him and yield to him. Just begin by growing wiser today. Open your heart, open your life to Jesus, and begin taking those steps back to him. Whatever your need might be this morning, please come. Our shepherds will meet you down front as together we stand and sing.